Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1992. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm uh, back in the UK. I've been there a couple times this week, it seems, with a very special guest and a very intriguing guest that I think we're going to have some fun with today by the name of Carl Telford. Carl, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I certainly am. (laughs) Now, in your case, since we're going to be talking about battery technology, EVs, there is no clutch in these cars. So I guess uh, we'll just put it in ludicrous mode, as our friend Elon at Tesla (laughs) likes to use, and I'll be ripping down the road. That's one of the things I love about electric vehicles is, boy, they got a lot of torque. They go really fast. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into this very fascinating world that you live in, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you that's outside of what you do for a living? I really struggled with this question. (laughs) That's a good thing. I'll tell you, I've had some very interesting answers, hobbies that people do. I've had a plethora of musicians uh, that love to play instruments, things outside of the realm. So uh, where are you going to take us? I'm going to say that I had a bit of a deliberation with this, but one thing that a lot of people don't know about me, apart from perhaps my immediate family, is I am, although I'm a... I, although I'm a Brit, I'm an absolutely massive fan of of what you guys call football. So oh, American really? football. I'm oh, a really? Huge, a huge fan. No yes. kidding. Do you have a favorite team? I do. Since 1984-85, I've been a fan of the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, okay. There you go. Well, my son lives in San Francisco, so uh, until the Seahawks were out of the game uh, this year, which they had a horrible <laughs> year, yeah, we all did yeah. kind of root for the 49ers there last game, <laughs> but uh, it's been an interesting season for a lot of a lot of teams this year. So up and down, so mixed up, yeah. and I'm, the 49ers had, had a game last week that reflected their entire season. Yes, it did, didn't it? It was a game of two halves, and it's been a season of two halves. Yeah. Good British cliche there. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive fan uh, of, uh, of, of Gridiron. There you go. Always have been and always will be. Very interesting. Well, there you go. Very cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. Dr. Carl Telford is the Research and Innovation Manager at Consortium for Battery Innovation, where he facilitates funding opportunities for lead batteries across multiple applications and sectors. He has over 20 years of experience in strategic research, consulting, and R&D and is an expert in future thinking, road mapping, and facilitation. In his career to date, Carl's helped major public and private organizations, including some of the world's largest car makers across the world, develop strategies with particular experience in the automotive, off-highway energy and infrastructure, and chemicals and materials sectors. His academic background includes a PhD in materials engineering. Carl's also been an automotive enthusiast since he was a child, so we're talking to the right kind of guy here at Cars Yet today. (laughs) We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our valued sponsor, so give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for 
anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their Gust Guard for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word yeah, Y-E-A-H, 2-1 at checkout. Yeah, 21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green and Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Carl, we're back. So, I think we're going to get a little deep into the intellect here today because, boy, uh, your background is pretty fascinating. Can you? Talk first about what exactly is the Consortium for Battery Innovation? The Consortium for Battery Innovation is an industry association. Our members are spread across the battery value chain. So we have battery manufacturers, we have some vehicle OEMs, we have component manufacturers, all as members of the organization. They contribute to our, our funds, we go looking for external funding. Actually, that's my, it's my job to look after external funding. And we fund projects that involve lead-acid batteries. So the, the kind of battery that we're used to seeing in every type of vehicle, the 12-volt battery, and that's right from the classic cars, the things that get my heart pumping, all the way up to EVs, because EVs still have a 12-volt battery. So right now we're working on trying to innovate the best type of batteries 12-volt batteries for electric vehicles, for plug-in hybrids, for hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, and things like that. So, yeah, we, we, we fund and innovate around lead batteries and also using lead batteries with, with other battery technologies, other energy technologies. I see. Well, when you think about 
the battery, I'm not the brainiac you are in this industry. For me, it's that <laughs> big, heavy thing that sits there and be careful, don't cross those leads because I had a battery blow up in my face one time. Uh, that's not a fun thing to have happen at all. Luckily, somebody was close by with a hose to hose me down before I got burned. Batteries to me, in my limited lack of knowledge is they really haven't changed very much. I know they have. So walk us through how they have changed over time. And then after that, we're going to get into where you see things going. And I was talking to a guy last year and he mentioned, well, yeah, in my Tesla, there's also a battery like in your car. And I went, there is? Why do you need that? I didn't know that, you know? So Tell me, tell me about batteries and their evolution through time, because I was just reading a, a book that was put out by a three-time guest here, Dwight Knowlton, who is a, he does kids books and he did a book about Porsche and talked about batteries, mm -hmm. cars being used back when Ferdinand Porsche was doing his first car. It was an electric car. And yeah. a lot of people don't know that this is a technology that's been around forever. Yeah. And we kind of seem to think for guys like me that it hasn't really changed much. Well, it's changed an enormous amount. It's almost analogous to when we think about the ages of ages of humankind. So we talk about the Stone Age and you know the Bronze Age, the Iron Age. There's, there's almost different ages of batteries, but the technology that went before gets improved as well. Uh -huh. So we've gone through batteries of. We think about electrical energy storage in cars. They've they changed the chemistry of the battery. It's changed through a process of gradual improvement and through, I would call them evolutionary steps. So you get more and more chemistries added as you as you as you as you go from say the beginning, the end of the the nineteenth century, up towards uh, today. And today we have this suite of batteries, when you get a new chemistry, it just adds to the capabilities of those batteries. And at the same time, what they what they used for, how they're deployed, is changing as well. And it changes not only in terms of function, but also in terms of depth. So if you think about what a, a 12 volt battery, we're primarily interested in those 12 volt batteries in my, in my company that I work for. Um, they have to do an enormous amount today. You've got all these critical safety systems to look after. You've got stop start. You've got all of these things. So that battery is not just a starter, lighter ignition battery. It has to power all of those critical safety functions. And that's before you get to traction. Now, traction, powering the wheels, when you've got BEVs, you need a completely different type of chemistry to do that that's more suited to that kind of uh, use profile, I guess you, you'd call it, powering those, powering those wheels. You think about the battery pack in a Tesla lithium-ion battery pack. And it is quite astonishing how the capabilities of, of all of these batteries are improving. Think about the range you've got for something like a, a, a Tesla these days. You know, a couple of hundred, 300 miles you're talking about now. Kia is really, really on one with range as well. But you can also see there's room for incredible improvement with the cars because they, they weigh an awful lot, the battery packs. And so... Going forward into the future, those batteries will evolve and they will need to get lighter. So it's a moving, it's just constantly moving, Mark. When did you see 
a major shift with battery technology looking back because I want to go into the future too, see what your crystal ball says <laughs> or looks like, yeah. whether it's foggy or clear. But when did a big change happen that was required probably because of these vehicles you talk about because there's so much more in them now. They're really rolling computers. I think the deployment, the one that, the one for me that was big was the was really the deployment of uh, nickel metal hydride batteries in vehicles because you had a, a technology that was had sufficient volumetric and gravimetric weight or um, size, in other words, energy density, and able to provide traction. So if you think about the, the, the first generation Prius, that was a that was a car that was powered some of the time assisted by a battery pack. So that for me was the one that was like, wow, I'm driving in a, in, a, in this car park and the engine's not on. That was the that was the big one for me. And then soon after that, as soon as you got lithium ion deployed in, in vehicles and you had 100% EV, that was remarkable as well. So the two things very close to one another, I'd say separated by about five years. I, I, I used to work for a company that was based in um, Menlo Park, Silicon Valley. And I remember back in the early noughties going to, I think it was the first Tesla dealership where they just released the, the Tesla Roadster. And uh, people being fairly disparaging about it, saying, huh, they've just got a load of computer batteries. Made this this car, it's a sports car, it's expensive. And I remember thinking that was an enormous leap because it was a leap of guts, a leap of faith rather than a, a, a leap of technology. And so I guess the the, the guts that, that he had, that Elon had to, to do that and make that vehicle was, was I, remember, I remember just standing outside the dealership, dealership in, in Palo Alto actually and looking through the window and thinking, well, there's a, there's a, a, a vision of the future, if ever I saw one. You think of Elon, <laughs> back in the day when uh, those cars first came out, they were parked on some grass at the Pebble Beach Concours event. <laughs> and I remember looking at those little Lotus cars, basically. They were Lotus. Yeah, that were, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And people were, yeah, kind of laughing and poo-pooing. And who'd have thought that that guy Elon would, and this was 15 plus years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago, you know relatively, that he would be where he is today. And you look at the number of those cars being sold, it's absolutely phenomenal. When you look forward into the future with mm -hmm. lead-acid batteries and, and the evolution of those, where are we going? Where do you see the future being for those batteries and improving and the needs to improve with what's coming? Right. So, I mean, this is a big conversation and it's one that, that goes way beyond cars actually and you, you think about i would i would describe it like this i think that the energy transition is something that we're all going to have to go through we're going to need to move away from fossil fuels towards more sustainable forms of energy and there's a suite of solutions and so you've got hydrogen you've got electrical energy storage which is batteries you've got things like renewable fuels dot 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 we're going to need all of these solutions to throw at the problem. We've got a, a concurrent problem, which is the move from a linear economy to a circular economy. So the use of resources is going to become more and more and more important, both for things like energy security. You're going to need to re recycle more. 
So take lithium-ion batteries. You've got cobalt in there. Getting hold of that cobalt for a particular chemistry is going to be important. You might not be able to get that out of the ground because, for instance, another country might control supply, the supply chain for that material. But if you recycle, you have that energy security. The other, the other reason is there's, there's, there's only so much of some of these critical elements and critical materials around. <laughs> so we need to recycle them. We can't just keep on digging stuff up. We've got to recycle stuff. So you've got this energy transition and the circular economy. And when you boil that all down, as I've been doing in the last six months, uh, and try to work out what we're going to require in the future, it becomes pretty obvious that you not only need every energy technology solution renewable, but also you need every battery technology. One of the beautiful things about the lead acid battery is that it is almost completely closed loop. It is circular. The batteries get recycled and turned into new batteries or, or other, other stuff. And we're talking like rates of over 90%. So we'll need every form of energy storage. And that's not just for cars. It's for grids, microgrids, loads of other things, that, that buildings, charging charging infrastructure, battery buffers for charging. There's so much we need in the form of energy storage. There is, I guess there's a need for all of these different battery chemistries to work in synergy rather than be competitors. Ah, yeah. A bit like what we have in the car today. We have we have the 12 volt lead battery that, that I kind of look after that's looking after critical safety systems. So in a, in a, in a, if you crash your electric vehicle, it's the thing that enables you to still open the door really really important but then you've got these powerful traction batteries they work in harmony work really well together you've got different failure modes because the, the the lead battery will fail in one way and if something makes that fall, fail then the traction battery doesn't fail and vice versa so we need all of these technological solutions to throw at the problem going going forward into the future regardless of what happens in the future and you cannot predict the future so it's the, the one thing i know is about the future, we need so much energy storage, and it's going to require all the different technologies to work together. Well, you know, it's a great analogy there to the world. We all need to work together. You know, I've, it's a cliche, but we really do uh, because all these resources Absolutely. come from different places. And instead of fighting each other, we need to help each other and work together. And let's hope that all countries can think more that way. But and you get the greedy man in the middle of the whole thing and, and starts <laughs> to cause problems. That's a whole nother discussion for sure. You know, your, your field of practice is really fascinating to me. And I, I think we could have long, long conversations about it and go very in depth. But I'd love to to know if there's been a great inspiration in your life, what I call a driving inspiration, an influential person that has helped you mm. proceed through your uh, career path. I thought about this and there's not, you know, professionally I can pick, pick out. Um, so I used to work for a company called Ricardo, who were an automotive consultancy named after Sir Harry Ricardo, who uh, was a great pioneer in diesel engines and, uh, and, and diesel combustion back in the, back in the 20th century. And so the former CTO of Ricardo was a guy called Professor Neville Jackson. And from a professional standpoint, he was really inspirational to me, not only in terms of his technical depth, but also the way he conducted himself as a senior business leader. Though so he's incredibly personable and I just worked really well with him. And I always thought if I'm going to be a senior leader in, in, in the industry, I want to have the gravitas of that man 
Um, but really, <laughs> this is going to sound quite cheesy, but my, my wife, uh, you know, thinking about this, my wife has been absolutely instrumental in, in my career because she's, she's helped me identify my strengths, my USPs. And that's what I've kind of built my career on. The things that I'm good at, you know, maximize, maximize your activities that use your, use your strengths and your, your, your USPs. She's always been really helpful in identifying what those are because often it's really difficult, Mark, isn't it, to see what they are when you're, when you're, when you're, when you look at yourself, you tend to focus on your, on your, your faults. Yes. So I think she's the person that's helped shape the, shape my career the most. Fortunate man. You picked the right girl. <laughs> yeah, she's been really instrumental. That's yeah. awesome. And there's loads of other people I've worked with. That, no that, doubt. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Fortunate. Well, let's take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about a challenge because you work in a field that is, holy cow, filled with challenges, as we discussed earlier. So sit tight, keep that thought in mind, and we'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because they've been the leading source of auto detailing products and accessories for more than 20 years, and their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is a specially formulated Brazilian Carnuba wax that is easily applied to any paint surface, and it provides you with a warm Carnuba glow that I love on my vehicles, and you're going to love it too. It's a favorite at car shows countrywide. AutoGeek's Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax wipes up easily. It requires no drying time and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of most discriminating automotive enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. That's AutoGeek, where I go for all my detailing needs. AutoGeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, Smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions. Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So let's talk about this, Carl. I mean, this field you're working in, the combination of trying to drive funding and work in correlation with so many companies and look into the future of what our needs might be and how to fill those needs. I mean, there's a few challenges right there. Yeah. Is there there a big one going forward that you see or maybe it's one that you've already encountered and how'd you overcome that? And what was the light at the end of the tunnel, the learning lesson? I actually think back to a project I did a few years ago, and I did some work, some futures work with a uh, with a, a, a very big, a very very big Japanese automotive manufacturer, a household name, and they kind of wanted to know, well, what what will twenty 
40 look like. 2040. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us? I'd like to know. <laughs> what we're going to do? What should our products and services? What should our, actually, it was more, what, should, what powertrains should we have in 2040? And I'd, at that time, I'd been studying futures um, methodologies, I should say, them for, for, for 15 years. So I was well versed in, in techniques such as road mapping and particularly something called scenario planning, which you can, you know, you can look up and work out. I'll Google that. <laughs> that. That enable you not to predict the future, but to help you develop a strategy that is robust, whatever the future throws at you. And the client within this company did not know anything about these techniques. Uh, and I went and I, I ran a project uh, and we developed three pictures of what pictures is kind of underselling it a little bit. They were a little bit more than pictures, three pictures of what, what the world would look like in, uh, in, 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 uh, in world could look like in 2014, three contrasting pictures. We'll call them, vision. Each, we'll call them visions. They were like visions. Yeah, but they're not predictions. They're kind of, they're just, yeah, they're, yeah, visions is kind of nice, I, I suggest. I, I think. And we then put them into the, into the, into these scenarios and said, well, if you, if you, if you, if you were in A, what would you do? If you were in B, what would you do? And if, when, if you were in C, what would you do? And, uh, we followed a pretty standard, um, we followed a pretty standard scenario planning methodology to do this. And it worked well up to a point, and then it, it really it really didn't work well. And I followed a very, very standard procedure to do it. And they really weren't, they, they were happy with the visions that all of the analysis we did, which I used a standard kind of a business methodology for, they weren't happy with. And then I stood back and realized that these are engineers. They need things explaining in the way that engineers need explaining. So I decided to, to show a bit of contempt for convention and to innovate the second part of that, that, uh, that project that we did, where we immersed them in these worlds and decided to give them outputs that were more in line with what engineers want. And, you know, this is not what handbooks teach you to do if you think looking into the future. But I thought, well, I'm an engineer as well. What would I, what would I like to receive? Right. I'm going to go and dream this up. And so I did with my team, we did some innovation in, in terms of kind of what the, not just what the outputs were, but what they looked like. We wanted to make them look more suitable for Japanese engineers. And that contempt for convention and that innovation that we showed, and we developed some kind of pretty funky tools and, uh, and uh, a little I guess gizmos in Excel and things like that, 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 that gave them the outputs that they wanted. The results were, were kind of similar to the original way that we did it, but they were in a format that the client appreciated a lot more. And yeah, it was, it turned, we turned that, we turned that project around and it was an incredible success. Wow. Well, you've got the other edition of cultural nuances when you're in Japan versus United yeah. States versus Britain versus Germany or China, wherever it might be, very different cultural nuances in Japan, especially yeah. about forward thinking and future 
at least from my understanding. So I was made in Japan technically. So I've got a little bit of that <laughs> DNA in me, just a little bit. You know, I know that you're a car guy and we've been talking a lot about battery technology and what you do for a profession, but let's talk a little bit about cars. We'll have a okay. little fun because I know that makes your heart go pitter patter, especially old cars, which is cool. Is there a special vehicle in your life? And if so, what was it? And share a story about that ride. Well, I've always been a, I've always been a, a fan of Porsche, actually. Love it. And, uh, my second car was a 924. Ah, okay. Remember those when they came out? So I've always had an affinity with transaxle Porsches, actually. And uh, my second car, it wasn't a particularly good example, but it piqued my interest in the mark. And I learned a lot. So I had to do quite, I had to, I had to replace the head gasket on it. I've never really done much mechanics and... Uh, and so I learned to strip the top end of the engine down and I got some work done. I got the, the valves, the valve, um, valve guides redone and rebuilt it. Yeah. And I took it out on the test drive to check everything was working and it was no longer overheating. And as I was on the test drive, someone drove into that car and wrote it off. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, so no, 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 no. I spent three months. Oh, Gosh. I'd spent three months repairing it. That's tragic. But the thing is, I, I realized then that your car history is more about, it's more, it's more in your head, it's more in your memories. So that, not only does it give me a, quite a, a pathos story, a pathetic story, I'd, I'd, I'd describe it as, but it taught me a lot. Yeah. That car taught me a lot, and it will always be special to me, and then I, I owned I owned a couple of 944s after that and never had to strip, strip them down, but it kind of piqued my interest in the, in the, uh, in the brand. Wow. You know, 924, I've always been a 911 guy. I've had lots of 911s. They've been daily drivers for me. I've got one today. But the 924 is special to me because back when I was in high school, I had a Carmen Ghia who was, that was my poor man's Porsche. Mm -hmm. I always wanted one. But my mom had a friend who had a, a new 924 when they had just first come out. And he loaned me that car to drive to my senior prom. Oh, wow. It was pretty f nice of him. And it was pretty fun because I lived in La Jolla, went to La Jolla High, but our prom was in Coronado, which required me to drive quite a ways and go over the Coronado Bridge over to the island, basically, the peninsula, uh, to yeah. the Hotel Dell, which was great. And I felt like a king. Now, not a very fast car, of course, but faster and cooler than my Carmigia, at least at the time, was kind yeah. of fun. But the 944, the, the variation that came after that, really was so successful for Porsche, even in racing. And I just oh, saw him bring a trailer this past week, I think for the first 944 Turbo that went over $100,000 on bring a trailer as a car being yeah. sold. I mean, car prices right now are just kind of wild and crazy. But the yeah. 924, yeah, and this guy had a white one with the martini stripes on it. Which made it even cooler for a high school kid, you know, go fast stripes. Uh, yeah, very cool story, but horrible tragedy. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you weren't hurt. Uh, but I uh, can't believe that, that that happened after all that. Well, it was a learning lesson. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm going to be your psychologist and crawl into your skull a little bit, Carl, which is a very brainy mm -hmm. place, I must say. Uh, if you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? <laughs> but why? As he goes into a laugh. I thought about, oh, this is so funny. I, you're going to, I am a Mark I Ford Fiesta. No kidding. Oh, I love those. Okay. Why is that? 
Well, it's a product of the 1970s, like me. Yeah. It was designed by Tom Jarda, who is, a, who is, God rest his soul, is an absolute genius. It's slightly over-engineered, I would say. It was a wonderful car. We, my parents owned a couple of them. Very stylish, but in a discreet way. And it actually doesn't get enough credit for the, the innovation it brought to the market. It picked up what things like the VW Polo and and small hatchbacks that had created and translated it to a much wider audience. It really set the mould for the next, I'd say, 20 years. And I'd like to think I'm that influential. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> th- that's a very, very cool answer to that question, given what I've learned about you today. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I knew several people back in the 70s, 80s that had those. They were cool little cars, I thought. And uh, even think about, okay, kind of in a, a rally car type of world, you know, uh, the yeah. size and the fun and scooting those things around. They're kind of like a little bigger Mini Cooper, uh, if you will, to have a little bit of fun with. So I like that very much. Now, is there a great book you'd like to share with us that you've read that you found interesting or enjoyable? Yeah, I would actually. There is a really great book that I have on my desk here Cool. called High Performance. Ah, I had the author of that book on my show. Which is Peter Grimsdale's book about the British car industry. There are so many lessons here in terms of posterity, in terms of history, and also in terms of business planning and how external factors can shape your shape your future world. It's a fascinating book. It's engaging. I read it cover to cover within a within a, a few days. And I, I, if you've not gone out and read read high performance i would strongly suggest anyone with an interest in cars go and read that book it's terrific well, i'm glad you mentioned that peter was a guest on the show last year and uh you listeners can go back and listen to my talk with him to get you inspired to get your hands on that book and i made it really easy for you i put a quick click to buy on his site or on carl's site here or there's a great place in the cars yeah website called guest recommended books where i've got over 2,000 books listed there you can go on the website just click and It'll be at your door. So I'm going to let you go on the ultimate drive here, Carl. I've got an open checkbook. You know, you're a guy that's always seeking funding. I'm your dream come true because I have unlimited cash. And I'm going to enable <laughs> you. <laughs> now my phone's going to start ringing. I'm going to I'm going to enable you to pick any vehicle. You can be with anybody and you could be driving anywhere. And that person you're with could be somebody living or somebody from the past that perhaps is deceased. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? I find this in and it, I'd almost want it to be, I'm going to give you an oblique answer to this. I'd want it to be a complete surprise. Really? That if, if you, if you, um, the greatest experience, if I want to have the greatest drive, I need not to know what it is in advance. Oh. I need it to be a complete surprise because great things never live up to their expectation. Yeah. So I would like someone to, to delve into my, 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 my car desires and the people that have inspired me. You know, it might be someone from this book, one of the, one of the Roots brothers, for oh, example. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I'm from Kent in England, and they, they, they came from the middle of Kent. Pluck that out of my history. Say, there's, there's William Roots. Let's plonk him in a, uh, in, I don't know, a, a next-generation electric vehicle with a, with, with a solid-state battery and yeah. send, him, send him here, but surprise me. I've kind of, in a roundabout way, I've kind of answered that question by giving you an example. But it would it be in a car that is, I think, 
the ultimate drive would be in a car with a, a technology that is so so much of a breakthrough. Perhaps perhaps an innovator from the past, like William William Roots, who's more of a business innovator than a uh, technical innovator. Well, here's what I'm <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. V- fascinating answer to that question. Very unique. Is uh, I'm going to put you in the new Porsche since you like Porsches, and I'm a my listeners know Porsches my mark of choice. I'm going to put yeah. you in a new Taken, Taken. I never can say their Porsche's new car words are, you know, Macan, Macan, Pecan, whatever it is. Tycon, <laughs> Tycon. Uh, I'm going to put you in one of those with Ferdinand Porsche. And I'm going to send you on a journey up into, uh, maybe up into Northern England and or Scotland. There's some beautiful roads up in that area. So that you could ride in that quiet car and have very deep conversations about what he was thinking back when, and where we are today, and where we're going to go. What do you think about that? As long as it's the uh, the, the shooty bike version of the Taycan, because uh, that's kind of I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd I'd love to buy that for for my wife, but that's a pricey ride. <laughs> Holy yeah. cow! But you know, like I said, I've got unlimited funds, so why not? We'll have some fun. You know, you've taken us uh, a bit into the future, and I could talk for hours about you. Maybe we'll have you come back sometime. I, this is a fascinating discussion, especially timely for what's happening in the world right now. Before I let you go, could you share maybe a words of inspiration or a success quote of some kind? So my own quote is, uh, and hopefully the title for my for a forthcoming book, actually, that I'm, I'm planning at the moment is, you cannot predict the future, but you can plan for it. Ah, I love it. Yeah, that's very cool. And how can people learn more about the Consortium for Battery Innovation? So I think you should be best off going to batteryinnovation.org. Okay. I'll put a link to that on Carl Shona's page. You know, this is our future, everybody. So uh, check out what they're doing there uh, because these guys are looking into the future of where we, what we're going to need, I should say, and where we're going, which is a nice uh, relationship to automobiles and transportation and moving. And uh, the future, I, I think, despite all the doom and gloom, has never looked brighter, in my opinion. Uh, we are on the cusp of some amazing, amazing things that, just keep blowing me away what people are coming out with. Um, so think positive. We're in the new year. That's the only way to think. I want to do a, a, a thank you shout out to Neve, who's the communications and digital manager at Consortium for Battery Innovation. She's the one that put me together with Carl today. So thank you, Neve. Turns out she's right north of me in Seattle. Who'd have, who'd have thought? Here I am talking to you across the pond and she's up in Seattle. So the world is definitely getting smaller. Carl, thank you for spending some uh, very interesting and uh exciting times with us here today. I, I I love what's coming down the road and what you're doing. I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. See you down the road. You're welcome. Cars yeah has teamed up with TechForce Foundation, one of our charities of choice, to help young people who love cars, problem solving, and working with their hands pursue careers as professional technicians. From auto, collision, and restoration techs to motorcycle boats, race cars, and aviation, TechForce covers the gamut of technician opportunities. Technical education and the skills trades matter, and we need qualified skilled technicians to keep our vehicles rolling. Learn how you can help to power the technical workforce at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!